Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Audible is making summer a little bit sweeter for Amazon Prime members. For a limited time, you can join for just $4.95 a month for your first three months and enjoy the stories you love outdoors. Use the Audible app and sit poolside with J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Or hit the beach with Stephen King's The Outsider. You'll get one credit a month good for any audiobook. Exchange any you don't like. Summer is the perfect time for this Prime member offer. Get it now at audible.com slash prime. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino and oh shit. Oh dear. What's better than this? Guys, you're on the Draft News Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this 4th of July edition of the show. We're here to talk about and continue our My Ultimate Team series, and uh, today is the NFC North, Packers, Lions, Vikings, and Bears and go. the Bears, all, all of those teams together. We're going to pick our optimum starting lineup for this year coming up. Kyle, happy 4th of July, sir. America. F yeah, right? Team America World Police reference. Have you seen that movie, Joe? I, I would imagine you've seen that one. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to – I'm always going to disappoint you. With the puppets? Yeah, no. no? Oh, that's a sad – uh, yeah, happy 4th of July. Uh, like to point out that it is a national holiday, and we, as uh, sports, I guess, journalists, whatever you want to call us, uh, we do enjoy our jobs uh, well enough to do our jobs on the 4th of July. We're in no rush to uh, head out and, and do as little work as possible, as Jamil Hill asserted last night that that was her... Uh, little-known secret of sports journalism is they're they're just looking for for shortcuts. No shortcuts here on the dudes, folks. We love our jobs, which is why we're recording this podcast at 10 p.m. Uh, the night before July 4th. Well, uh, of course, we have to deliver for the people they expect draft dudes. It needs to be there for them. And um, Got this year's just been fun. Got a little shady in here. Well, yeah, that was you, man. You casted it. Listen, I, I, so. I couldn't be me, and I know it couldn't be you either. I actually think those were oh. your words 
in response to that <laughs> assertion. Couldn't be me. I think the funnest game I did all year was the uh, – I don't remember how many overtimes it was, the Georgia Tech-Tennessee game opening week. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, in Atlanta. It was three, wasn't I wanted it? it to go on forever. <laughs> it, it was a long time. I, and, and then I was – I'm down at the Butch Jones press conference. I'm at the Paul Johnson press conference. I must have got back to my hotel room at 4.30 a.m. And I could not imagine wishing to go home and for the uh, the easiest possible outcome to to arrive so that I wouldn't have to be there so I can get back in my car and drive to Charlotte. Yeah, Couldn't think, be me. think about those all those thrilling moments that you would have missed if somebody just, like, missed the extra point to, to tie the game at the very end. For me, uh, well, first of all, Jill, I remember closing down the press box at Lad Peebles the last two years with you. Literally, they had to kick us out of the press box the last two years after the senior bowl game uh, with the groups that we were down with at those current times. And for me, my, my favorite, uh, and it was kind of forced on me because I was out of, out of town. I went to Indianapolis for the big 10 championship game last year. And uh, this was the game where they had the goal line stand and like the turf came up Mm -hmm. and that we had this, like, 20-minute stoppage in the game for them to fix the turf, and this guy has, like, this moment to shine on national television as he's sewing and raking the turf to fix it in the end zone. But uh, that game didn't get over. It was an 8 o'clock kick. Didn't get over till probably midnight. And, Joe, the Uber surcharges to go from Lucas Oil Stadium to my hotel room were it would have been like $140 to go seven miles down the road. So I said, nah, I'm going to just sit, and I'm gonna sit in the press box and write. <laughs> so I'm in the press box and keep checking the, the, the surcharges. Mind you, I had a 6.30 a.m. departing flight to fly back to Philadelphia. I look down at my watch, and it is 3.45 in the morning, and Uber surcharges are still... $55. So, uh, I ended up staying in, at the press box. I was not the last person to leave the press box, so hat tip to those folks. There were pro- folks in the press box four hours after the game ended at 4 a.m. when I walked out, got an Uber, and I went straight to the airport and slept for an hour and a half at the Indianapolis International Airport before waking up and boarding my flight to come home. But same thing. I wouldn't have given that experience for anything because it was a blast. And and I don't know if that's because, Joe, we, you and I have had to work our way up through hard work to get into this industry and ha- have full-time jobs in the industry in the way that we do now. But uh, I, I wouldn't trade any of those experiences for anything at all. It's one of my, the highlights of my experiences in the field, not, not something that I begrudge. And we'll keep doing it, man. This is fun. It was funny because a couple hours, do you remember this? A couple hours before uh, that tweet came out from Jamel Hill, and uh, you and I were, were on the phone, and you made the comment, Joe, could you ever imagine watching college football for 14 hours on a Saturday, yeah, yeah. Sub- submitting your <laughs> submitting your article, and then thinking, damn, that was long and tedious. And then sure enough, Jamel Hill follows up that conversation that we had with the tweet about how journalists 
root for the easiest possible outcome and anything that can happen for them to go home early. So right. something along those right. lines. The only time football has ever felt like work is when I've had to balance it with something else to help pay my bills and then have to do the football on the back end of it. Anytime I've been doing football as the profession, no, it's not, not once felt like work. Joe, I want to transition out of this uh, state of sports journo and respect the biz preaching that we're doing. And uh, I want to talk about uh, a Buffalo quarterback, if you don't mind. Is that okay oh, with course. you? Yeah, yeah you'd like please. to talk about a Buffalo quarterback. Uh, this is probably, at this point, the best quarterback in the city of Buffalo. And I'm talking, of course, about Tyree Jackson, the Buffalo Bulls quarterback, who I watched uh, on Tuesday night studying some film as I was hashtag grinding the tape, Joe. Have you caught any of this kid yet? No. Oh, my God. This He is – he's very – he's on that, like, Logan Thomas to Cam Newton spectrum as far as, like, athletic traits. Like, Josh Allen's on that, that spectrum somewhere in the middle. Time will tell which end he ends up being on. But this kid's cut from the same cloth. Easy thrower. He can whip the football down the field with a flick of the wrist. Moonshots. Pretty deep ball. Drops it in the bucket. Big, strong from the pocket. He's effective running zone read concepts. Kind of pulling down inside the five-yard line, similar to how Carolina's used Cam Newton in in the the course of his NFL career as a, a power runner between the tackles. And um, shows some nice flashes of timing, which really impressed me. It was the comeback patterns, the slant routes. uh, Those concepts uh, were really promising. Uh, There there are some concerns here, obviously, you know, playing at the University of Buffalo and level of competition will be a question. And uh, there were a lot of schemed targets to Anthony Johnson, the uh, the the uh, wide receiver there that put up really big numbers, and uh, I think that's a red flag in that they, they schemed a lot of easy throws, but some really promising glimpses and physically a complete specimen. So anybody who's listening, if you haven't, uh, this is the beauty of the summertime. I would encourage you to go check out some Tyree Jackson because really, really exciting gifted football player, not something you would expect to see at that level of competition, but uh, I had to bring him up on the show today, Joe, just because, you know, I'd heard some good things. I'd heard some other people assert this is the best quarterback in the city of Buffalo in 2018. I don't think they're wrong. Obviously, I had a very low grade on Josh Allen, but there is a lot of really exciting potential here with this kid. You just described a top 10 NFL draft pick. I will say this, the way he throws the football, NFL scouts are going to drool over him. The The mental perception and how they, they feel he mentally perceives the game is going to be a large question, and I think it will dictate the narrative. But physically, yes, NFL scouts will be all about this kid. 
Well, if I didn't have 55 uh, ACC prospects to work through <laughs> over the next 40 days, um, I, I would uh, I would definitely be firing up some Tyree Jackson tape. Um, Kyle, you ready for the a the NFC? Excuse me, the a excuse me the NFC Ooh. North here. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the <laughs> NFC North uh, with the Bears, and, who you almost you almost forgot the Bears when you uh, introduced this. Uh, and I'm looking at my list of players, and don't you tell think... <laughs> you, you got to have at least three bears on your list. At least three. Oh boy, I think I have one. Oh, I have one. Dear bear. Lord, <laughs> disrespect. Let's do this. Why don't you go ahead and take the lead on quarterback? Because I have a feeling this segment's gonna be very short. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. There's no discussion, right? He's the best one. It's not a bad quarterback division. Stafford's probably a top-12 quarterback. Uh, Cousins is probably a top-12 quarterback. Trubisky's got a lot of upside. But Aaron Rodgers is, uh, to me, I'll be – okay, this is a take. You ready for this? I am ready for this. Aaron Rodgers is the best thing in the NFL. I, I there, There is not a better thrill than watching Aaron Rodgers carve up a defense – and the throws that he can make, his arm talent, he has the best arm on the planet. And I don't necessarily mean the most powerful arm. He's got plenty of arm strength. But he does things with the football. He threads coverage. He puts yeah. it in places that only Aaron Rodgers can put it. Yeah. And it's appointment TV. Aaron Rodgers playing football, that is an appointment TV opportunity for me. And I think he's the best thing in the NFL. Never out of a game, right? No. No. You always have a chance because Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say he's the best thing in the NFL, but I would say he's one of the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. And um, I would not argue with appointment television for Aaron Rodgers. He's that good. All right, so it should be a little more interesting <laughs> from from this point forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that was, if you would have told me we were going to have one consensus out of the entire thing, it would have been Aaron Rodgers. And it doesn't sound like we're going to agree on running back here. Because you can okay. get, you can give me Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard was a player that I was high on when he came out. He was my 40th rated player in his draft class. And all Jordan Howard has done has been a bell cow back that is extremely physical. I love the way he runs between the tackles. Imposing frame. He has the durability to be a workhorse back. I've been very impressed with his early resume at the NFL level, and I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NFL because, you know, Chicago, you look back at last year, they had nothing going in the passing game, and I don't mean that as an insult to Mitch Trubisky because the pass catchers there were horrendous, and they had some durability questions along the offensive line. But despite all that, Jordan Howard continues to be an extremely productive football player, and he had to split some carries and targets out of the backfield with Tariq Cohen. So you, you, you put both of those factors in play, and I think what Jordan Howard has been able to do to this point in his NFL career is even more impressive. Now, you, Kyle, you prefaced your monologue there by saying that you didn't think we were going to agree here. Did you have Jordan Howard? I, I don't think there's another choice in this division. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, th I thought you were going to go Dalvin, Dalvin Cook. Cook. No, I mean, man, I love Dalvin, uh, and I think he's going to be a really good football player. He's coming off of an ACL tear, which is something that people do very successfully. 
and I expect him to be very productive. But Jordan Howard, rookie season number two in the NFL in rushing yards. Last year's number seven on, a, on, a, on an offense, like you said, that didn't have a whole lot going. He was the offense, and uh, they, teams couldn't stop him. Love oh, his style. He, he sees the field so well. He's got power and balance. I, I, I mean, I think he's the obvious choice here for running back and uh, in, in the concept of what we're doing here. God bless America, man. That's what it's all about here on the Draft Dudes. Harmonious selections in the backfield. <laughs> I love it. Joe, I caught a lot of flack from my wide receiver group, so I want you to do the honors and propose your first team of receivers, your trio, X, Z, right. and slot. All right, my, uh, my X receiver is going to be Devontae Adams from the Packers. Really strong catch point guy. He's had a lot of success in the red zone. He scores a lot of touchdowns. So I like him in that in that possession type role. My why is going to be uh, Adam Thielen. I think he's just a stud. I think he can do everything. He wins at all levels of the field. He's got hands and he runs hot routes so smooth. His uh, his ability to sell a route break and his his footwork and 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 just how he snaps off routes. I just love it. And then for my uh, my Z, I want Golden Tate. Uh, I think he's uh, exactly what you would want in the slot and and a guy that uh, gives you. Yards after the catch, he's physical. Um, he can go up and get it. He plays above the rim pretty well for a guy that's under six foot tall. And I think when you know if I gotta if I gotta make a trio of receivers, that's the three I want. It's very difficult to argue with you, Joe, but I'm going to. Okay. Uh, we agree on two out of three. We agree on Adam Thielen as a slot guy, and we agree on Devontae Adams. But I went with a little bit less pure X and Z on the boundary. I took Marvin Jones as my other receiver. 61 catches last year for 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Averaged 18 yards catch. Big play guy. Really, really impressive what he's been able to do during his time with the Detroit Lions. Golden Tate was my fourth option. So it was Marvin or Golden, and I just I, I elected to go with a guy I thought was a little bit better of an overall player at this juncture in his career. So I went Marvin Jones over Golden Tate, but I agree with you with the other two guys. Uh, Golden Tate, fun fact. Since 2014, Golden Tate leads the NFL in yards after the catch. That is a good stat. Yeah. It's a great stat. Um, okay, well, I, I, I think Golden Tate, I feel good about my choice there, but Marvin Jones, you went with the size. Are you gonna are you, it are you gonna have a, a hard time seeing that selection like you did when we did the AFC West? Or can you at least respect the hustle of Marvin Jones? Yeah, I, you know, I, I it's not a Sammy Watkins Travis Benjamin moment. <laughs> <laughs> um I just think Golden Tate's better football player than Marvin Jones. Okay. I just do. Okay. Agree to disagree. I'm glad you're not at my throat on that one, though. No, no, but look, we got a long way to go here. Yeah, this Uh, is very true. I have a feeling there's going to be some butting of the heads. I don't know about tight end, Joe. I I guess it depends on your perspective on age and aging gracefully. Uh, Because my tight end pick is new Green Bay Packer tight end, Jimmy Graham, five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro. The guy has 6,800 receiving yards and 69 nice career touchdowns 
He scored 10 touchdowns last year and averaged 9.1 yards per catch, which blows my mind. Uh, he averaged 14.2 the year before, uh, almost had actually had one more target in 2017 than he did in 2016 with the Seahawks. But Joe, I never really felt like Seattle ever grasped the implementation of of Jimmy Graham quite like the Saints did. And I'm hoping that the Packers are kind of able to unlock that role for him. You know, he was such a stud in the red zone for the Saints. Uh, the guy had 45 touchdowns. I'm sorry, 46 touchdowns in four years with the Saints after his rookie season. He's had 18 in the three years since. I know he's 31 years old, but I refuse to believe that that was not more of an implementation issue with Jimmy Graham than it was anything else. And for that reason, I'm betting there's still gas in the tank. I've seen Antonio Gates go until he's frickin' 50. Gimme Jimmy Graham in this division. Uh, Kyle, um, I think the the other tight end that's in contention here is Kyle Rudolph. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, very consistent player over the last four years, particularly uh, did some nice things in the red zone. But I agree with you. I, my, my choice here is Jimmy Graham as well. Um, and I think a lot of the reasons you said were very good. Uh, but I think about the infrastructure of this offense and, and, and what I've built here with with uh, uh, Adams, Thielen, and Tate. I want that scene buster in the middle. And I think that you just get more of that from Graham than you do in any other option here. And so, you know, I think – I think there's some juice left in the tank there for Jimmy Graham, and I, I'm excited in real life to see what he can do with Aaron Rodgers. We yeah. haven't seen Aaron Rodgers with this type of a talent at tight end, and uh, I think it's really going to make make that uh, that offense even more dynamic. All right, so we got offensive tackles. and um, Okay, so this is hard because... I think there's a lot. You know what? I'm gonna I'm making a last minute audible right now. Oh dear. Okay, I'm gonna go with David Bakhtiari. I think is is clearly my left tackle. And then uh, I, I've wrestled with Brian Balaga, Riley Reef for the other spot. And Balaga's just had a little bit more injury issues. So I'm gonna go with Riley Reef, who was an absolute godsend for the Lions last year. Really brought a lot of stability to that unit. And uh, excuse me for the Vikings. And uh, I think he brought a lot of stability to that unit, and and so I'm going to go with him as my as my other side. Joe, you're going to find this hard to believe, but we are completely on the same page. I have no complaints, and for that reason, I'm going to segue right into the interior offensive line because there's some takes. There's <laughs> there. How many teams are represented on your interior offensive line? Uh, three, three. Okay, I also have three, so here we go. I'm going to start with center, and I'm going to go with my dude, somewhat of a homer pick, Pat Elfline. Was tremendous down the stretch last year for the Minnesota Vikings. Made great strides as a player. Uh, I'm really excited about what he can potentially bring uh, to this Vikings offense, both as a pass protector in the center and as a run blocker. My guards, I'm going Kyle Long from Chicago. There's been some durability issues here, but when he's on the field, he's very good. 
he actually has been exposed to playing offensive tackle in some stretches. So you know this is a great athlete, and he's very physical up front. And the other guy I'm taking is a guy that has some exposure to multiple positions as well. I'm talking about 2018 first-round pick Frank Ragnow. Give him to me, Joe. Give him to me because he will kick your ass up front, and I love it. I think he's going to be extremely effective and a godsend to this uh, this Detroit interior offensive line. I don't hate any of your picks. Um, yeah, I, I certainly have a – I love Frank Ragnow, so that wasn't uh... – one that you're going to catch any flack from me on. We do have uh, only one same uh, on this so far, on uh, this interior. So the one same is Pat Elfline. I went with him. Yes. Obviously, his impact, his year one impact was outstanding. Very excited about him moving forward. Uh, but I'm going to play him at guard because I need Corey Lindsley as my center. I think he's been the anchor of that offensive line, especially last year when there were so many guys in and out of that lineup, so many different combinations. He was the one guy that played every single snap and uh, he's really emerged for this for this uh, Packers offense ever since he was a fifth-round pick in 2014. I think he's one of the better centers in the game. Uh, my other guard spot, I really wanted to pick Kyle Long, but I think you know it is the durability stuff that concerns me. And I'm going to go with a very savvy veteran, 10-year pro, T.J. Lang, a guard for the Detroit Lions. He's an outstanding pass blocker, and uh, I think he would – you know, I think all these guys are pretty pretty well veterans except for Elfline, but uh, I, I like his veteran know-how and his ability as a pass blocker uh, to anchor the interior for me. So uh, don't hate your picks, but I went with a couple different ones. Okay. Well, respect the hustle. I, I can't disrespect on either of your different picks as well in this, this offensive group. So we have uh, three discrepancies, Joe. Two interior offensive linemen and our slot receivers look different. Or our, I'm sorry, our Z receivers look different thus far. Is that three or four? That's three. Three on offense. That seems to be every time on offense. Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right. I think I have lead on defensive end. You do. And uh, just give me both the Minnesota guys. <laughs> I want I want Everson Griffin, who's uh, – Man, he's such a technician, and he's got power, and he's got that explosive first step. I love everything about Everson Griffin as a pass rusher. When I think about 4-3 defensive ends, I want them to be Everson Griffin. And I love love how he has so much variation now he wins as a pass rusher. On the other side, Dan- Daniel Hunter. I mean, uh, he's a guy that I love how he's grown. He's still so young. I think he's like 23. He's got that deal. Uh, and uh, – you look at, you know, just think back to his days at LSU where you saw the length, you saw the explosiveness, you saw the athletic ability, but he was just a, kind of a bull in a china shop. Yeah. And then now what he is right now, one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL, and he has some freak moments uh, coming off the edge as a pass rusher. And, and to me, look, I think Ezekiel Ansa deserves some, some, some a thought here. But, man, those Minnesota dudes are, are awesome. And <laughs> that's going to be my pairing at edge. Not only are these dudes awesome, these dudes got paid because they backed the money truck up for these boys, and rightfully so. This is a terrific, potent one-two punch of pass rushers, Joe. I think you encapsulated both these guys really well as far as their growth and development and what their strengths and weaknesses are. And uh, having both those guys under contract, man, the, the, inevitably this Minnesota defense is going to incur some losses due to, to cap restrictions. They locked up Eric Kendricks. They locked up the pass rushers. They locked up Xavier Rhodes. 
They locked up Harrison Smith. They got their linchpin guys. And uh, those two pass rushers, hey, organic pass rush makes the world go round. So I, I can't argue with you. All those were my two picks as well. All right, you've got the lead on the interior where there could yeah, be some discussion. This was, this was a tough group, man. <laughs> There's a lot of talent inside. Um, I ended up going with a couple of heavy hitters, heavy-handed guys, not some of the gap penetration guys that we've done in some of the uh, the other conf- or divisions in this series thus far. I went with Vikings defensive tackle Linval Joseph, and I went with Packers defensive lineman Mike Daniels. Both of these guys Beat you up up front, really strong and stout. They're extremely difficult to uproot, and they can collapse on the interior. They're not necessarily your gap penetration, shoot past you kind of guys, but they will walk you backwards if they're able to establish first contact. And I think the pairing of those two guys and the power that they have with those Minnesota guys on the outside is a really nice complement to one another. Yeah, so we've got Linval Joseph, definitely for sure. He's, I mean, when you talk about the most stout defensive lineman in the NFL, him and Demon Harrison are kind of the poster boys yeah. for that uh, that discussion. So I love him as my plug. My goodness, this other spot was hard because you think about Sheldon Richardson, um, and uh, and you think about Kenny Clark. Yeah, you know who's a stud, but to me, it's it's. There's something about that motor that Mike Daniels has. And we got the same two on this one, Kyle, that that gave him the edge. I mean, that dude, I mean, he plays like his ass is on fire. And that's, that's, don't be, don't have your ass on fire literally on this 4th of July. But when you watch Mike Mike Daniels play, (laughs) when you watch Mike Daniels play, he's got that type of urgency in his get off. And and, uh, he's a real treat to watch. If you just get. Well, not that you're ever bored. If you're just looking to watch the good football player pop on some all-22 of the Packers defense, just watch Mike Daniels go to work, and he, he is a load. And he's finally getting some respect uh, in terms of, you know, some recognition for him being such a standout player. So we've got the same two, but, man, it was tough to leave Kenny Clark and Sheldon Richardson off. Dude, timeout. We're talking about defensive linemen on the 4th of July with their ass on fire. Did you see Jason Pierre-Paul's pictures that he shared? Yeah, I did. Oh, I did. my God. Kids, Your discretion don't, advised. don't play with fireworks today, please. Okay, I don't need to see pins coming out of what's left of the base of your thumb and your skin grafts. Jason Pierre-Paul, well, first of all, kudos for putting that out there. And I'm being completely serious here because it, it's a great message to deliver just how serious this kind of stuff is. I mean, his hand is mangled. It is a tattered mess of what used to be a hand. And, you know, we've seen the pictures and all the first year back, he wore the club. And then you can kind of see it peeking through like in training camp and he's got a thing on it. No, this, this is like fresh from getting dismissed from the hospital, pins in your hand, photographs of what this stuff did to him. And, uh, take some courage to put that out there, you know, but I think he's doing yeah. it for the right reason to talk about the, the significance of, of, you know, fireworks and explosives and taking it seriously. And, um, you know, that, that thought just crossed my mind with that combination of words, Joe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think it had to be acknowledged at least before yeah, we move yeah. on to linebackers here, Joe, I'm going to ask you again, how many teams are represented in your linebacker room? 
Two. You dog. What do you have? Two. Let's do this. I, I got a good feeling about this. Eric Kendricks, going to play my mic. I feel really good about Eric and uh, the, his first couple years in the league. Uh, as I said, he just got extended. I believe he got a five-year $50 million deal from the Vikings. Uh, really nice money. He's one of the top-paid interior linebackers in the league. And uh, he's a tackling machine. I loved him coming out of UCLA. My next pick... I'm going to go with Roquan Smith, top 10 pick from 2018 from the Chicago Bears. Uh, Roquan, really good in space, can play zone pass coverage. I'm okay with playing him at the Sam and, and letting him uh, be my coverage guy in the linebacker group. And my last one, my will, probably cheating here a little bit, but that's okay, Joe. I'm going with Leonard Floyd. I want that pass rush compliment, much like what we did with Von Miller in the AFC West. I want that Will linebacker that I can drop down onto the line of scrimmage, have him rush next to either Donnell Hunter or Everson Griffin, and good luck trying to stop because neither one of our two interior defenders are true pass rushers, so I wanted that extra pass rush element, and I got that in Leonard Floyd at the Will. All right, Kyle, we've got two out of three the same. Okay, okay. Eric Kendricks, all day long, love him. That's a dude that plays with a lot of urgency and a lot of range, and he processes so quick. Should have never fallen out of the first round, but here we are. Uh, Roquan Smith, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I think you, not not to take away from Roquan Smith, but it it, it was a challenge to fill this out because I think by and large this this uh, division has a lot of young, talented guys, but a lot of unproven guys. And so I, I like, I mean, I like Roquan a ton coming out. And so you get him and Kendricks on the field and you're, as your backers in, in nickel packages, you got some dudes that can cover ground and, and so uh, and process quick. So I love the idea of him. Uh, I'm going to be different from you on this uh, Leonard Floyd. I respect the pick. I'm not going to give you any crap for it. Uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Barr, though. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you can do a lot of the same things with, with getting some pass rush out of him. Um, he's in a contract year, so I expect a big season from yeah. him. But, uh, you know, I, I've really loved the transition that he's made from, you know, really a complete just a speed rusher in college at UCLA to, you know, being one of the better off-ball linebackers. And, and so um, I think this is going to be the year that he kind of puts everything together and uh, – you know, I, I, I think he's made a heck of a transition. He does a little bit more in space than you than I expected. And um, so we'll go. I'm going to have Anthony Barr. You'll have Leonard Floyd. But I think that I don't think there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, venom coming from either one of us on, on being different there. No, I think we, you know, uh, Barr was kind of that other candidate for me. But because he's not quite as developed as a pass rusher, and that's kind of strictly sure. what I was looking for in that last spot. That's why I went Floyd. That's all. Kyle, I'm taking the lead here on the cornerbacks, and there's only one acceptable answer. This is Xavier Rhodes and Darius Slay. That's the best cornerback tandem you can get out of this division. Xavier Rhodes has the physical gifts to match up with alpha receivers in the NFL. Darius Slay is one of the best man-to-man guys in the league, and uh, it, it, he's got ball skills, and he's he's really underrated. And I'd be surprised if if uh, you had anything different, this could be our moment of, of a big debate here, but I think that those two are the best corners in this division. Well, Joe, I hate to disappoint you, but there will be no debate because it's Xavier Rhodes and Darius Slay. 
It's just it's it, it, go argue with your cat, right? Like I don't want to. I don't yeah, want to hear. I want to hear another answer. Kyle Fuller, he probably deserves to be part of the discussion yeah. if you're thinking of a third guy. Yeah. But he's not in that tier. He's not in that tier. Yeah, I mean, I looked at these teams alphabetically, and I saw Kyle Fuller's name. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's put a star next to him. Maybe he'll – and then, like, common sense settles in once you hit the other ones. It's like, oh, yeah, no, I'll see you later, Kyle. But uh, very good football player. Yeah. But he's not Darius Slay, and he's not Xavier Rhodes. Safety time, Safety time Joe. There's going to be some contention here. I hope you know what I'm doing. Harrison Smith is one obvious choice. Okay. All right. right. It's a no-brainer. I love Harrison. Uh, Very good tackler. He's a very sharp football player. The other guy I'm going to take, one of the selections I made on the offensive side of the ball was a homer pick from the 2017 NFL draft class, and that was Pat Alflein. This pick is also going to be a homer pick from the 2017 NFL draft class. I'm talking about my man Eddie Jackson from Alabama. Guy has some positional versatility, so he can play some man-to-man coverage. The dude scored, I believe it was two 80-plus yard touchdowns in the same game last year, Joe. He's got special teams ability. He was very good for Chicago. Earned that starting job as a fourth-round pick. Why was he a fourth-round pick? I don't know. Because he broke his leg in October? Stupid. In hindsight, that is a pick that a lot of teams are going to look back on and they're going to regret not taking Eddie Jackson. Very good football player. He showed out extremely well as a full-time starter for the Chicago Bears as a rookie. And I'm going to stay with my dude. That was one of my guys. I had him in the top 20 in my 2017 draft class. And if you look at his production and his play on the field, he justified that area as a ranking. Um, well, I mean, I guess I – okay, it's Harrison Smith is obviously one of them. I think he's the best safety in the game. Yeah. And, and Eddie Jackson, one thing that you've done, this is what our fourth division – you have been very true to a lot of upside guys and sticking with your evaluation. I respect that. Um, I think HaHa Clinton Dix deserves to be part of this discussion. Um, but the guy that I settled on is Glover Quinn. And uh, hmm. I think hmm. if Eddie Jackson, Eddie Jackson's upside, you know, if he it would be to have a career like Glover Quinn, who gives you a lot of uh, versatility, wins in single high, he can win in man coverage. I think he started 132 consecutive games. He's got, uh, let's see here, 24 career interceptions, 82 pass defense, 10 forced fumbles. And I think that he's just quietly just been one of the most sound back-end players in the NFL. And, and so I I look at this this roster defensively that I've put together here, and I've got some dudes that can play fast and forward. i got some man-to-man coverage guys on the boundary. I've got the most versatile, best safety in the game in Harrison Smith. Well, just let me have Glover Quinn there as my center fielder to keep everything in front of him. And I, and I think, look, Eddie Jackson's a fine pick. Again, how Clinton Dix deserves to be in this discussion. But I think Glover Quinn's really underrated, and, and he's the guy that I like best to pair with Harrison Smith. I thought for sure you were to go with HaHa. Did you? Yeah. I like HaHa. Yeah. And, I mean, but and, yeah, and I went with the, some the veteran. Credit where credit's due to, to these players. Uh, HaHa was a player that, you know, I was pretty lukewarm on coming out. So, you know, you talked about how I was – 
uh, I've made some selections in guys like Elfline and Eddie Jackson that you know were guys that I was notably high on, and I'm betting on that upside because I saw it on the college film and we've seen glimpses of it at the pro level. Uh, HaHa was not one of those guys, but you're absolutely right. He does deserve to be in conversation here. That's why I thought you were going to go that direction. Um, but I, I actually like your Glover Quinn pick better than if you had chosen HaHa. Glover was probably my three. HaHa was my four. So nothing too contested here, Kyle. No. Mar- the- Marvin Jones was your worst pick for sure. Was he, though? Over Golden Tate. Yeah. Over... Yeah. Hold on, my producer's going to pull up. Golden Tate stats? I am, and you're not going to like this. This guy's had over 90 catches since 2014 every season. How many yards per catch did Golden Tate have? Well, I told you earlier, since 2014, he has the most yards how many per catch yards, any How many yards per catch did Golden Tate have in 2017? 10.9. 10.9. How many Marvin so, Jones? How, how much did Marvin Jones have? You went with the – he's. I mean, he had what? I think uh, Eight, one of the 18, highest 18. amount of catches over 20 yards. Oh, there you go. That's what you want in a Z receiver. We'll, we'll put out a Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you rather have, yeah. Marvin Jones or Golden Tate? And we'll let the people decide. And I think Golden Tate's going to dominate that okay. poll just like Sammy Watson. So you're right. Sammy Watkins destroyed Travis Benjamin. The uh, the other one that we had was pretty close. The Chris Harris top five corner. I was surprised that you, uh, he got more votes. It was 52 to 48 uh, percent. In, in saying yes, so it's, it's yeah. I mean, pretty close, but it's it's not. I like, I think this poll will be much closer to Chris Harris top five corner than. Sammy Watkins, Travis Benjamin, who would you rather have? Even though you framed, uh, you did a shit job framing that question, by the way. Okay, so you can frame this one, and I think that Golden Tate, Golden Tate takes, Golden Tate takes 60% at least. 60%? With 60%. Okay. Guess we'll find out. Yeah. Guess we'll find, we'll find out. out. Was this a hard, if you look at this roster before we wrap up here, how do you think this talent in this team stacks up to the other divisions that we've done so far, which was AFC and NFC East and the AFC West? I think the defenses are just uh, – I think this defense is probably the one I'm most excited about. I think this entire team is the most talented team that we've drafted. Top to bottom? Yeah. You could – I think you if you would put both NFC teams 1-2 – I wouldn't argue with you. Oh, well, AFC East is the is the worst. Yes, and then AFC uh, West is the second worst. I think this is better than the NFC East team that we picked. Because the so, de- the defense is so dominant. Like the yeah. the NFC East team, the offense with with the backs that you had to choose from and Carson Wentz being an exciting guy and the offensive line like that's where that team really made its hay. But I think top to bottom, the town on this this divisional team trumps that. Plus, you have Aaron Rodgers. Plus, you have Aaron Rodgers, and Pat. Yeah, O'Flight. it's it's the best one so far. And Pat. O'Flight. It's the best one. So I'm not sure there's going to be a better one. And, and I heard you, Pat. NFC South. Right, Kyle. NFC South might have something to say about it. That'll be a fun one. That, that'll be fun. Some... That'll be one that'll actually have an interesting quarterback to me. Yeah. Yeah, 
I think the uh, the AFC South will be an interesting quarterback debate as well. Um, NFC South? AFC South. AFC, yeah, AFC South quarterback. I know who I'm taking. Uh, yeah, I, I do too, but let's let's leave that for another day, shall we? I'd like to thank everybody for tuning into the Draft Dudes here on July 4th. We'd like to wish you a happy Independence Day if you are listening from the States. If not, we know there are many of you who listen from abroad. Uh, we'd like to thank you for, for tolerating my chance of America at the beginning of the podcast and uh, sticking with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we continue this My Ultimate series. Uh, we're halfway through, so make sure you hit that subscribe button, follow along on iTunes. Uh, if you're enjoying the pod, please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what your favorite components of the show are. And uh, we, we always love to get those five-star notifications when they come in. So give some thought to make in our day and uh, throw in us a five-star review if you would be so kind. Uh, you can reach Joe and I on Twitter. Uh, currently, we're not writing anywhere right now, so Twitter's the best place to find us. Uh, because the Draft Network's website does not launch until August 6th. Put that on your calendars, please. Joe is on Twitter, at Marino. I am on Twitter, at GrindingTheTape. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast, and we will be back again soon with another episode of this My Ultimate series. Thanks for listening, folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.